Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, it is Wednesday, April the 10th. And before we get started today, I just want to let you all know that I have a free challenge going on right now. It's only five days and its purpose is to help you be more mindful of your day-to-day thoughts and beliefs with the goal of shifting your mental space to live the life you truly want. This five-day awareness challenge will help you to wake up in your life. It's completely free. And if you haven't signed up for it yet, All you have to do is go to elisaunfiltered.com forward slash free challenge. That's elisaunfiltered.com forward slash free challenge and you're in. Okay, moving forward here. Today, I have one of my favorite guests, Miss Stephanie Kay, speaking about my favorite topic, food. (laughs) Why is it my favorite topic? Well, I think because for years I spent the majority of my time thinking about food, what I was going to eat, when I was going to eat it, and arguing with myself about my diet, talking myself out of eating bad food, trying new diets, and basically following all the trending fads of what's going to make me lose weight and feel great. (laughs) It wasn't until I met Steph that my thoughts on food shifted. Okay, Stephanie Kay's approach to eating real food and nourishing our bodies in a healthy and sustainable way just makes sense in all the right ways. And that's why I love talking about it. That's also why I've brought her back to the show for the third time. This episode is a little bit longer, but trust me, there is a ton of valuable pieces, including food myth busting, intermittent fasting benefits, and common versus normal food practices. Okay, this episode is for everyone. So let's get into it here. Okay, so sitting next to me in the studio is uh, my friend Stephanie Kay, who is a registered holistic nutritionist. Welcome back to the show, Steph. Thanks for having me. Always love being here. Yeah, so this is, I think, your third time on the show, and I like... I keep bringing you back because um, you are one of the most influential nutritionists or like person who speaks about food in my life. You speak about it so in such a real way that it I connect I connect to your messages every single time. I appreciate that. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. So that makes me happy to hear that. <laughs> okay, cool. And like your blog, for example, um, you run a blog. It's on knutrition.com, correct? Yep. Um, and I sign, I've signed up for your emails and I, I get your blogs every week or whenever you post them mm-hmm. a couple times a week. And uh, they're awesome. And the topics have just been, I've been really resonating with all the topics. Like we're in line or something like that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> so I'm we're a, vibing. Yeah, I want to. Br- I'm bringing you on the show because I want to talk about these things, the subjects. You like really hit home. You do it in a supernatural way, um, um, and you're not like preachy or like annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. I think that nutrition can get like a little dogmatic and like preachy is definitely a word and I hate like hearing other people like not that they're talking to me but talk like that I find it really frustrating yeah and I found it frustrating when I also didn't understand to be like wait that person is preaching that that person's preaching that like what is actually going on so just trying to talk in like a normal like human way too that's also not like overly scientific or complicated or whatever it is yeah, I really like that. And it, you also don't tell people what to do. Like a lot of the messaging out there is you have to do it this way and like guilting people um, to eat in a certain way. And uh, I think you just really provide great information for us to make our own decisions. So yeah, yeah there's there's whatever, how many billion people, I don't even know how many people, how many people are on the planet, but like yeah. everyone's got to figure out their own way. There's not just like one, one solution that works for everyone. Okay, so let's get into it because um, the latest 
blog post <clears throat> that has really got me got me going yeah. was entitled why is junk food so addictive yeah i have like i i fully i'm fully with you on that one it yeah. is so addictive let's talk about it yeah i mean it's i don't think it's news to any, anyone to say like you know like chips are addictive candy is addictive chocolate's addictive yeah. but like broccoli is not like <laughs> why is that um so it's no wonder it's so difficult when someone's like you know oh eat healthy just eat real food don't eat junk food it's like in theory super easy yeah. no problem like totally understand in practice when you're walking around the grocery store when you're out when you're you know you have stuff in the pantry at home it's not always as easy to just say like i'll have a handful i'll have a couple of them and i'll put it back down like the lays commercial is like but you can't eat just one or whatever because yeah. they know yeah right yeah Okay, so one of the things that, okay, just kind of backing it up, some of the other podcasts that we've done, we talk about real food. The mm-hmm. Real Food Reset is one of the first ones we did. The second one was about sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, now this one's kind of covering all of these topics all together. Uh, why is junk food so addictive? Well, um, one of the things that ties in with your overall philosophy is that it's not real food. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the, the thing. So it's called, so junk food is like, it's a blanket term for a whole bunch of different types of food items Um, and it has the word food in it it's called junk food but I really look at junk food as it's not actually food it's not real food it's almost like a food like product so if you really just take a step back and you think about like okay what is food food only comes from two places it comes from a plant or it comes from an animal And that's it. It either grazes on the grass, you know, swims in the waters, flies in the skies, or grows on the the land. So it doesn't come from factories, bags, packages, whatever it may be. And that is in actuality what junk food actually is. Real food in and of itself is not really addictive. It has a purpose. It does a job. It's, you know, nourishment. It provides vitamins and minerals. It provides energy. It does whatever it's supposed to do but junk food is really created in a way that overrides all of those natural processes in the body and I think that sometimes that's what people forget is you know when you pick up an oreo for example whatever the example is and you eat it in your mouth you may just eat it in your mouth I don't know where else you eat it but you eat it (laughs) Uh, when you're eating it you're like oh it's just an oreo like it's just me against the oreo is kind of the the way that people can look at it right like i'm just gonna eat this thing it'll be the end of it but you're fighting against so much more than that you're fighting against the food engineer who spent thousands of hours to chemically engineer this food to taste beyond this world amazing to hit your taste buds in every which way to get your dopamine going and just provide pleasure that you would never get from natural food you're fighting against the marketing and the money and all of these different things so junk food has so much more behind it than oh it's just something that tastes good which is what I think a lot of how a lot of people look at it I mean I know that I did for Mm -hmm. myself I was just like oh yeah I like cookies or I like whatever the example is chips it's just, well I'm right now like yeah. totally hooked on these peanut butter cookies from pure kitchen <laughs> yeah I can't stop eating them I okay. have one every single day but that's actually an interesting example okay um, tell, tell me let's because talk if it. you think about so junk food specifically the term junk food the way that I would describe it is it's processed food uh, so processed food and junk food are the same thing let's say your peanut butter cookie from Pure Kitchen or you bake cookies at home from scratch, I would not quantify that as junk food. Interesting. Because it's made of whole foods, right? It doesn't have chemicals and additives and weird words that you can't pronounce. You know, there haven't been uh, food chemists in a lab trying to find this perfect bliss point is what they call it or this, this peak of taste that is just out of this world. You know, if you're making peanut butter cookies, for example, it's like peanut, I don't even know what's in peanut butter cookies anymore, but like if you're making <laughs> cookies at home, it's like yeah. flour, eggs, milk, whatever it is, chocolate chips, completely identifiable. When you pick up something, I'll go back to the example of an Oreo. There's like 50 ingredients in that thing. None of that stuff is from plants or in animals. It's all processed. So it's so far beyond real food. I think there's a difference between having real food, like your cookie that's a bit more indulgent than 
broccoli on its own kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But it's not so far gone as the Oreo. Does okay. that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. It's like this middle ground a little bit. Okay, interesting. Yeah, okay. I That and junk food too, like one of the things you talk about in the blog that I... Like it hit home for me was like the habits and the rituals. So like, mm-hmm. and I'm, I, now that you talk about this peanut butter cookie in mm-hmm. a different light, it's, um, uh, it's interesting because I still feel, um, like I'm addicted to it. Like that is my junk food. Okay. Yeah. But it's part of like this ritual for me. It's like part of my habit to like reach yeah. for something. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about like, if you go back to food manufacturers or like the marketing behind food manufacturers, whether it's, you know, having popcorn at the movies or having hot dogs at the baseball game, so much of junk food, it's not just that it tastes amazing because there's these engineers that are making it taste out of this world and hitting every single taste bud and creating a chemical reaction in your brain. But the way that we're sold these products is almost we're sold them in a way that we like have to have them and we would be foolish not to have them. Like, how could you possibly go to the movies and not have popcorn? Like, oh my goodness, you just want to enjoy your movie, right? That's that's out of this world. You would never do that. How could you possibly go to a baseball game and not have a hot dog? Like, you have hot dogs at baseball games. That's just what you do. So these patterns, these rituals, these habits almost get like pushed on us Mm -hmm. but it's so organic and so subconscious that we almost don't even recognize that it's happening to the point where we think it's our idea we're like well yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get a hot dog at the baseball game or i'm gonna get popcorn at the movies and it's like no do you actually think that or have you been trained or conditioned to think that that is the the appropriate way to do things or the appropriate time to have it so that kind of like ties into a little bit. One of the other posts that you um, did was nine signs you're addicted to sugar. Mm-hmm. So, um, and when I read it, I was like, wow, one of the things is that you, the number, like number one out of the nine steps is you need something sweet after every meal. Yeah. And I find that to be a ritual as well. Like yeah. I, that that's why Absolutely. I'm tying this in together because I eat and then I, I'm, I'm thinking about, something sweet and sometimes I just have a glass of wine which to me is sweet <laughs> that could be sweet also. too <laughs> <laughs> but I like I'm thinking one. about it not like junk food that's made of grapes right that's a whole food yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> wine is definitely a whole food <laughs> yeah so let's let's start getting into the the sugar and and signs that we are addicted because junk food and sugar go hand in hand in a lot of ways yeah not in all the ways no not in all the ways but the argument, I mean, when you think about junk food, when you think about processed food, the three items, the three products that are um, utilized to make them highly addictive are sugar, salt, and fat. So it's creating this perfect combination between sugar, salt, and fat in the Dorito, in the Oreo, in the whatever it is yeah. to make it taste like I said, out of this world, like it's never going to take like, taste like something that came out of the dirt, like the potato or the broccoli or the egg, whatever it may be, right? So um, of the three of them, arguably sugar is the most addictive of them, which is why for so many people, people the um, sweet flavored, the sweet junk foods, let's call them that, are the ones that are the most addictive or the most problematic. But that's not to say that even the savory ones don't have them. They just don't have as much as a different balance kind of thing. Right, right. So when I want something sweet after every meal, what does that mean? Uh, the Great question. Uh, this, it can mean a lot of things. Okay. Um, but it can definitely mean that you are evidently, it's a sign that you are addicted to sugar. Okay. It can it can mean, so if we, if we just look at the examples that we just listed, it could mean A, that you have this ritual that you've built, Right. You've built it, whether it's from your childhood, whether it's something that you have adopted as of late, whatever it may be. Yeah. But because the sugar in and of itself is so addictive, once you start that ritual or you start that habit, breaking it is very, very difficult, right? So there's just... Yeah, it would be like smoking cigarettes and like... Yeah, exactly. It's like, no. It's fully... Yeah. I, and I think people think of food as just like this thing that we eat because we need to survive. But if you're... 
eating the junk foods, it's like highly more addictive than again the same the same thing examples like the real food. Yeah. So it is as addictive as or can be, I won't say is, can be as addictive as cigarettes or drugs or whatever it may be. So yeah. once you start that habit or that ritual, it's really tough to break because it is so addictive. Yeah. Then you can get into, you know, there's different reasons and I'll just throw some off the cuff because it can kind of depend on the person. You know, if someone is hypothetically trying to cut calories, so they're trying to eat a lot less than they think that they need. Well, yeah, after your meal, you're probably still going to need more energy. You're going to be more hungry. So you're going to be craving that sugary thing. Maybe someone is trying to avoid fat in their meals because they think that it's unhealthy or bad for them. Well, that fat is not going to satisfy. Without that fat, you're not going to be satisfied. Your uh, your blood sugar won't be balanced and you're going to struggle to feel full. So you may want that sugar. Also, on another example would be if someone eats would tend to eat meals that are highly carbohydrate based or heavily sugar carbohydrate based, mm-hmm. then you end up on this, you know, blood sugar roller coaster all day long, all day long. So you're going to constantly be looking for sugar to keep you going up on that roller coaster as opposed to crashing after every time that you eat. So is that like, because for me, one of the signs that you're addicted is you like you write, you love carbs. Mm-hmm. I love carbs. Mm-hmm. I am totally a carb addict. Mm-hmm. Um, however, my relationship to food has really changed over the years. And yeah. I have like really, I make a conscious decision on what to put into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what to eat. You put food in your mouth. <laughs> um, and uh, that has taken a lot of practice yeah. for me because... In the past, I would literally just like eat whatever was available and I just didn't care. And I, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily um, see the signs or feel them in my body. Now I totally do. So when I mm-hmm. eat something, I notice immediately uh, whether I feel bloated or I have a dip in energy or mm-hmm. if I want to take a nap. Which, and I'm like, huh, that's very interesting. What, what, is, what is it that I'm eating that's creating this? Which is a really difficult thing place to get to like we are not taught as children you know maybe from your parents but i would say very rarely they aren't taught in school we aren't really taught anywhere the connection that food has to essentially every aspect of our life right like we kind of are taught that our bodies are garbage disposal so just like put it in your mouth and it will deal with it like we are not told it can affect your energy it can affect your skin it can affect your weight it can affect you know a bajillion different things yeah so recognizing the signs like oh i feel tired in your example mm-hmm. why do i feel like that most people are like did i sleep did i have enough coffee like they, rarely do people pay attention to like oh what did i actually eat at my meal this morning earlier last night like yeah putting that together is really difficult for a lot of people Is that why you suggest to write things down, like to keep track of your food or? Yeah, I think it sounds silly, but kind of if whatever it is that you're, you're struggling with. And if you don't have, um, you know, you're starting your food journey, if you will, or even if you're not like, and you're like halfway through or you you feel like you're more advanced in it, paying attention to what you're eating. And even if it means physically writing it down in a journal or putting it in an app or just writing it in your phone somewhere it can help you to um, recognize patterns that are actually going on. Like, oh, I always feel tired at three in the clock in the afternoon. Oh, I always wake up at 2 a.m. Oh, I always feel bloated by the time I'm done breakfast. Like <laughs> all of those things, like, that's all like, me. Oh, that's all me. <laughs> this is your intervention. Um, um, and those things happen to a lot of people now. So they're common. Mm-hmm. Because they happen to a lot of people, but they're not normal. No, it's not, not. Yes, it's not normal. It's just between common and normal. So like, yes. yeah, a lot of people get bloated. Happens to a lot of people. Yeah, it's not normal. It's common. A lot of people are sluggish at two, three in the afternoon. You know, they've been sitting at their desk or in their office or working. Common, not normal. Yeah, a lot of people struggle to sleep well. Common, not normal. Right. So first you've got to recognize like, Hey, that's not normal. And then the second part is, is okay. How can I, um, first look at my food and there may be other things in your life, but we're talking about food, right? How can I look at what I'm eating and how it may actually be impacting all of these different things that I'm struggling with that I think are normal, but mm, might not actually not be. So what is bloating? (laughs) 
Like what? <laughs> I know what bloating is. Yeah. But why do we bloat? It's such a. Um, or do you know? Like there's got to well, be. Well, the reason reasons. is there's a million different answers, but yeah. on some level, like the most basic level, it's okay. This is the most basic answer, but like it's poor digestion. But it's typically some t- something that's like fermenting or something that's not digesting well in your stomach. And therefore it is, or in your gut rather, I should say, and therefore it is causing extra air or gas. But why? There's so many different gotcha. reasons why it can be happening. And so to tie back to the, the, the example of keeping a food log is the why could be a different food for, for 10 different people. It could be 10 different foods, yeah. right? So it's really trying to create these patterns or recognize these patterns rather I should say so you can figure out what is actually causing it for you because for me let's say hypothetically I get bloated when I eat beans Mm -hmm. someone else might do great on them but someone else might get really bloated when they eat almonds or someone else might be oatmeal or eggs whatever the example it is so it's not this just like one size fits all solution like oh that is a healthy food it works for everyone it's like no it depends on the person individually Right. Paying attention to that has actually given me um, a much more uh, feeling of a much better, deeper feeling of like balance in my life. When I bloat, I immediately feel disgusting. Yeah. Like, and it's crazy. I, uh, I don't know, in the last like year or so, I've started to really pay attention, like you said, to what foods bloat me. And yeah, sometimes I like to eat them, but then you have to make a decision like, you know the consequences. Totally. And some people choose to do it anyways. Totally. But so, that, that's the choice that you have to get to, right? Yes. Like there's a difference between not knowing and just feeling it all the time and just yeah. accepting it as normal. And But then once you do know, so yeah. I'll do this with a lot of clients, is we figure out what is it, like what is actually bugging you. And then once we know what it is, like, oh, that food gives me really bad digestion or makes me constipated or gives me diarrhea, whatever it is, then you know, okay, Cheese makes me feel horrible, but I'm at this wine and cheese and this looks amazing and I will make the conscious choice. Like then you're making a choice. It's very different from not knowing. It is. Okay. So, um, and then I, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about in that nine signs you're addicted to sugar thing, just going back to it, yeah. it was like, you need to eat every two to three hours. Yeah. Talk, talk about that. Is that because of the fat is that because of the sugar it's because that... of a lot of things okay <laughs> i feel like that's my answer to everything that you're asking me um <laughs> the need to eat every two to three hours is one of those things that people say is normal yeah because it happens to a lot of people yes and because that's what's happening to me but since i've shifted it's yeah. not happening anymore and i'm i'm yeah I'd so like... this is actually my personal journey with with okay. like nutrition is i was told i mean i was an athlete i was told all the time like gotta eat every two or three hours it's gonna boost your metabolism and yeah. like do all these things which is what most people were told for ages it's common because a lot of people think that's what they need to do and therefore it happens to them but it's actually not normal our bodies are designed with built-in systems that will keep us fueled for hours upon hours without the need to eat. If you even just go back, if you go back all the way back to like hunter-gatherer days, we would go days without food at times and we would survive. If you go back a little less further, maybe to like the 40s or 50s, like people's grandparents, people just ate two or three meals a day. Mm-hmm. They kind of ate from sunrise to sundown and that was it. They didn't need a snack every two hours. They weren't eating at 9, 10, 11 o'clock on the couch. This need to eat every few hours is very much dependent on, um, is very much the cause rather, is our dependence on sugar and carbs. So if you think of the nutrients that we get from our food, the big ones being carbs, protein, and fat, Carbs are a a primary source of energy, as in our body uses them often, but they aren't the most efficient source of energy because they don't keep us full for very long periods of time. On the reverse, fat is actually the most filling source of energy, so it'll keep us fueled for very long periods of time. But if you just think of an example like like what the standard Canadian or even North American diet looks like. It is so not only carb heavy, but heavily based in processed foods, if you will. Mm -hmm. So it's cereal and toast for breakfast, 
you have that around, you know, seven, eight, then around 10 o'clock, you need a snack, right? Or, or even earlier. Or even earlier. So oh, you're yeah. grabbing a granola bar. Oh, yeah. And then, like, at lunchtime, you're, like, itching to get to lunch. And then you yeah. go out and you have a sandwich or, you know, pasta salad, right? Yeah. And then you, and then it's, like, two, three o'clock and, you know, you're starting to get that energy dip and you need it again. So you're having crackers and cheese or whatever you know an example like that yeah then you come home and you you know it's like five o'clock and you need a snack before dinner because you can't even make it to dinner right yeah so you're having a handful of pretzels carbs 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 Mm. all day long and it's just creating this dependence on carbs or sugar i'll use those words interchangeably because they kind of are in a way for fuel that is completely um that is completely it's just not practical right is what it is Right? So you're kind of chained to food in a way, if you will, because you end up needing it all day long. But that's not actually the natural way that our bodies are created to work. And that's I, that's very interesting to me because it's culturally becoming um, the norm. Yeah. Or, or like our culture yeah. eats a lot. All the time. All the time. I mean, you see like even the term hangry. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm hangry. There's memes it's, about it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Branded. Yeah, it's, it's branded. Like branded. It's branded. That's a problem. That's almost like a like an illness. That's an issue. But we, yeah. we people maybe don't understand what's happening, so it's turned into this funny thing. They're like, haha, happens to all of us. We're hangry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does happen. So yeah. what does that mean? What talk to me about that? I mean, what that essentially I mean, the term hangry is the joke term, the yeah. combination what, of angry and hungry, if anyone doesn't know that. But what is actually happening is you are so dependent on sugar for fuel that your body is inefficient at using fat for fuel, that your insulin is so resistant that it can't actually tap into your fat stores. So it forces you, kind of your brain starts losing its mind a little bit. <laughs> and it yeah, literally starts losing its mind a little bit and starts sending you a little bit crazy or a little bit loopy, really trying to force you to get carbs or sugar because it needs energy if you think of the body it's really got two sources of energy it's got sugar or carbs and it's got fat Mm -hmm. in a let's say a natural well-balanced human being it should be able to naturally flip back and forth between the two so almost think of like a switch like a light switch like switch is going one way it's using sugar carbs you flip the switch because you run out of the sugar carbs and then it starts burning fat for fuel But if you are constantly eating processed foods that are high in carbs and you're eating it all day long, you're constantly keeping your switch flipped to sugar. So you're almost training your body to stay in that mode. Mm -hmm. So when all of a sudden the sugar slows down or the carbs slow down that you're eating, your brain starts losing it and is telling you to get more. So it's sending you these cravings because it's really struggling to remember like oh wait we can actually flip the switch back and start using fat but you've trained it so much the other way that it struggles right i mean if you think of an example in practice that you'll see is people be like okay monday you know i'm starting a new diet i'm going to eat healthy whatever it may be i'm going to you know cut my carbs and you know eat focus on whole food and day one they're like okay this wasn't pleasant but i did it And then day two, it sucks. Day three, it sucks. Day four, it kind of sucks. Day five, they start eventually feeling better. Because that day two, day three, day four is where their body is like, okay, we think that we can turn to fat, but we're struggling, but we're struggling, but we're struggling. And then poof, all of a sudden it flips the switch back. And it's like, right, we can use fat for energy. We just haven't been asked to do that in so long. So that's also why sometimes people will be like, okay, I'm going to start this healthy diet, give it a couple days and be like, no, I'm out. Because trying to get through that switch flip is really uncomfortable. It's really painful. You have headaches. You don't feel good. It's almost like you're detoxing from these cravings in a way. So I always tell people like, you're going to get there, but the first few days are going to suck and you've just got to hang on. Because once you get through it, day five, day six, day seven, week two, three, four, whatever it is, then you start to feel amazing and you get to... you essentially free yourself of these chains of being bound to food and being bound to eating all the time. Not only do you get that, but you also feel a million times better. In fact, sometimes people, they didn't even recognize that they could feel that good because they didn't know how bad they were actually feeling. Yes. I think we actually spoke about that in our last podcast because that was something that happened to me. And anyone listening out there right now, if you recognize these signs and symptoms within you, like you need to eat um, or you get hangry or whatever, mm-hmm. like this is, 
this is really valuable information. Um, you say four or five days. Like for me, I, I feel like I don't switch over when I'm like in a state of like high carb. Yeah. Which it does happen ever so often. Yeah. Like I get stuck. Yeah. It takes me a lot longer than that. I would say at least seven days. Yeah. At least seven days. And Sometimes I, two weeks. I think there's, yeah. um, it, this is also to be clear, not to vilify all carbohydrates, yeah. right? Like I think that's a really important thing to say. There's a big difference between, you know, eating a potato or a sweet potato or oatmeal versus eating like, you know, the store-bought muffin, a bagel or bag of chips. Like those are very different things are going to react very differently in the body. And it's also important to keep in mind that it's not, it's not just one amount that works for everyone, right? If someone is very physically active, like yourself, for example, you may need more fuel than someone who is more sedentary, or you may need more fuel than someone who's trying to lose weight. It's also kind of, there's always context and nuance to everything. So I think some people might get discouraged sometimes because they'll be like, oh, well, it worked for Jane Doe in my office. How come it's not working for me? It's like, well, it's different. We're all different. But you've it's like anything, like you've kind of got to go through the motions. You've got to practice. Like the first day that, you know, we rode a bike, we didn't just like get on it and ride off into the sunset. Like we bailed, we messed up, like we fell off. That's great. Yeah. It's, and that's okay. Right. Like if I tell people they, you know, I'll talk to clients and they'll be like, Oh, I didn't have a good week. And it's kind of like, okay, let's talk through it. Let's figure out like why, how we can troubleshoot for next time. But like, just like dust yourself off and keep going. If you fell down the stairs, you wouldn't just, you know, if you tripped down the stairs, rather, you wouldn't just let yourself fall all the way to the bottom. You'd try and catch yourself, right? Yeah. So it's just try and catch yourself and keep going. So when when it comes to culture and all the marketing and the ads and the mm-hmm. eat two to three times a day, one of the things that's starting to become trendy, mm-hmm. and, and you talk about this in a blog post, um, is intermittent fasting. Yeah. So let's talk about that because you actually, when I read this, I was like, hmm, I really like your stance on it. Is intermittent fasting a fad or fact? Yeah. So intermittent fasting. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Um, is, let's take a step, a step back because kind of you mentioned the word fad is, yeah. I think at this point when it comes to food, people are so skeptical and I understand that because I'm skeptical too, right? So when I hear something new or a new term or a new type of diet or a new way of eating, I'm kind of like, what is this? Like, how long is this going to be around? What are you asking me to do? Yeah. Because it's almost like we've all been hurt so many times. It's like we're in a bad relationship, right? Yes, like we've been yes. hurt so many times. We thought that that was right. And well, okay, we thought sugar was okay and fat was bad, but now it turns out the opposite, right? So yeah. we're a little bit skeptical. So this term intermittent fasting is probably for the past two years that it's become more mainstream, if yeah. you will. yeah. Um, it's this idea of trying to limit the number of hours that you're eating throughout the day. So fasting, the term fasting just means when you're not, when you're not eating essentially. So it's trying to manipulate the number of hours that you're not eating throughout the entire day. Now, I think a lot of people think that this is just like some new trend. It's like, okay, well now I'm going to start only eating between these hours of the day and not these hours of the day. But if you, I think I kind of touched on it. Uh, lightly earlier is if you think about it logically before you go back to the hunter gatherers even go back to like our great-grandparents whatever it may be is people weren't eating all of the time so your body really only has two settings it has you're eating when you're eating or when you're fasting so when you're eating you're storing food and when you're fasting or not eating you're burning the energy that you stored so yeah. you're eating, you're just, you're eating food. It gets stored as energy in your body. And then for it's used later on when you're not eating. So it can be used for energy. The body converts it back to energy. So what intermittent fasting is, is trying to extend those fasting hours so that your body can become more efficient at using the stored energy because the way that energy is stored on your body is actually as body fat. Gotcha. So benefits. So the primary or most well-known... Sorry, I'm yeah, just going to cut you off because, because you, like, I I, was, I wasn't I was sure where direction you were going to go in when you started talking about intermittent fasting. Yeah. And, like, you kind of blanket everything, um, yay or nay, like, or it's, it's kind of like a neutral article that you wrote, but then there are quite a few benefits in there. And yeah. it's almost like pro... 
So I personally have been intermittent fasting kind of by accident in yeah. my Ayurveda uh, world because I'm practicing an Ayurveda diet. I'm eating to my dosha. Um, I haven't talked about this a lot with the, it's with another the podcast. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> talked about it a lot and I am working on the podcast to like get that out. Um, but it's kind of, I don't call it intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. uh, but I am essentially. I have like a 16 hour window. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh man, what's Steph going to say about it? Because I was like a little bit worried that I was like trending yeah. or <laughs> trending. I'm trending. I'm trending. Uh, no, the reality is, is that everyone should be intermittent fasting. If you think about it, everyone should have at least at minimum 12 hours between the last time that they eat at night and the first time that they eat the next morning. This is literally built into our words because breakfast is called breakfast because you are breaking the fast. Mm. So if you, to use some times, you stop eating dinner at 6 p.m. and you hypothetically would not eat till at the earliest 6 a.m. the next morning, maybe later if you're going to fast for longer. So it's literally built into the words of our food, not to mention that many cultures around the world, world, excuse me, use fasting as a religious or cultural practice. So you see it a lot of different places. So even if you just start there, there's a large majority of people that do not even fast for those minimum, and I'm saying bare, bare minimum of 12 hours. You know, someone might have dinner at seven or six, but then snack at eight or nine or 10 and be munching on the couch up until the point that they go to bed. So if it's 10 o'clock at night and you're eating, you know, chocolate or crackers on the couch, and then you feel like you need to wake up and have breakfast at six or seven, you didn't even allow yourself for those minimum number of hours. So my argument is at a bare minimum, everyone should be implementing that. In addition to that, as you, your body becomes, if you think of that switch we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. as your body becomes more efficient with that switch, it's easier to go for longer periods of time. So maybe you're, you're eating at six or seven or eight, but then you don't eat again till 10 or 11 or noon the next morning. So you're implementing these longer fasts and a lot of them have names, you know, there's a 16, eight, there's a five, two, there's all these different ways that you can do it. And there's no... There's no right or wrong way. You just want to make sure that are you actually leaving these fasting hours in yeah. your day? And I think what why it's become trendy fasting, intermittent fasting, is because uh, it's highly beneficial for weight loss, right? So when you're not eating, your body is using stored energy. And in the human body, stored energy is body fat. So it's an efficient, effective tool rather to use when it comes to weight loss. Okay, that's interesting because in my journey with my relationship to food, um, I was always kind of taught or Mm -hmm. told to wake up in the morning and eat and get your metabolism started. Yeah. So that's what I would do. I would literally wake up in the morning and within the first hour I would have like a serious meal. Yeah. So it's actually funny when you... um, not, not to talk about weight loss here. No, but no, no. The, but yeah, if yeah, you yeah. think of this concept, because what you're tying yeah. into is this concept of breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Like yes. We've been sold this idea that breakfast yes. is the most important meal of the day. And when yes. you do some research, I'm not the one who did research on this. I read it through other authors and whatnot. Um, when you when you look into where this concept came from, it actually came from the cereal companies. So right. if you go full circle to the beginning of our conversation, this is something that we were marketed to us that this idea that breakfast is the most important part of the day and it's going to give you all this energy to go do whatever yeah. it is that you need to do right yeah, exactly like i would argue with people when they were like i'm not hungry i don't want to eat i'm like you should eat eat <laughs> get your metabolism you're doing it wrong that's what i would yeah. say and like, so I, like, I said the same thing oh for God. ages right ages. Yeah. yeah but and sometimes they're you know sometimes it's like wait am i actually hungry yeah. Am I, it's okay. It's 8 a.m. or whatever the time is. Whatever you wake up. It was like, am I actually hungry or am I just eating because it's like breakfast time, right? Yes. It's these made up rituals. It's your rituals. patterns. It's your yeah. habits. Like, yeah. 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 So like breaking that for me, like in the last, I don't know, I've been intermittent fasting since I think November mm-hmm. of 2018. And when I, at the beginning, when I like woke up in the morning, I was like really hungry. I'm like, shit. 
I have to I have like three more hours. I'm like calculating. Oh, I ate, you know, around six or seven, and I, and I can't eat until 10, 11 o'clock. Like yep. that seems like so long. Um, and over time, I really um, have absolutely no problems with it. Like I've changed yep. my pattern. It did take months and months to get over just the habit of. Yep looking in my fridge yep. or I'd, I'd literally walk into my into my kitchen in the morning and open the fridge I'm like what am I doing so like your first reaction yeah 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 or I <laughs> open the cupboard yeah. or like yeah yeah and I mean we're talking about breakfast as the time that you yeah. would kind of like push back if you will yeah but you can also do it on the reverse right, right. like oh, if you're many people do yeah, yeah. so it, it, you really have to pick the way that works for you and your lifestyle yeah. so what I mean by the reverse is you know if you love waking up early and love breakfast and that works for you and you want to eat breakfast I'll make up times again at 6 a.m and that works for your day then maybe it's to consider like hey what am I doing at night maybe I should have dinner at six o'clock and then just be done eating like yeah. why do I need a snack at seven eight nine ten like that is am I actually hungry or am I just doing it because I'm bored watching you know my favorite show on tv right yes. so it doesn't actually matter where you implement it but it's important to pay attention to just like why am I actually eating yeah and why it and is this snack or this craving to snack because I wasn't balanced in my mm-hmm. other meals during the day? Or what is it in me that's creating this craving? Absolutely. I just ate. Like, I've had moments where, like, I've eaten a, a plate of food. So, a lot of food. Yeah. And I'm finished. And, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm like, shit, I'm still hungry. I want to eat more. And then yeah. I, I oftentimes have to, like, bring the practice of awareness in into the space and be like, am I actually hungry? I've just eaten all this food. Yep. My body has everything it needs. Yep. I had a really good meal. I don't actually need that sugar or that whatever yep. it is that I want to, or that second plate Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. Because so many of those cues have nothing to do with like what's going on in our stomach, right? They have to do, it's an emotional response. It's a mental response. It's stress. The it's hormones. boredom. It's whatever yeah. else, right? Yes. I, I mean, I think I, I may have mentioned on the uh, previous podcast, but it's really important that people learn to try, and this is a practice again. It's not like you do it once and you figure it out forever, but try to differentiate between hunger and craving. So mm. when you think that you're hungry and you're like, I really need to eat right now. Okay. Think of the most boring thing that you would, you don't love, love it, but you would eat it. So my example is always like, okay, I'll eat steamed broccoli and baked fish, but like, it's not going to get me excited. Yeah. If in that moment I'm like, yes, absolutely. I need to eat that right now. Then I'm like, okay, I'm genuinely hungry. But if I'm like, no, nah, I wouldn't eat that. Then I'm probably not genuinely hungry. I'm probably Ooh. dealing with something else. Right? Ooh, that is such a good practical <laughs> thing. I'm bringing. I'm gonna adopt that. And sometimes you, in the moment it's hard. Yeah, but it, yeah, to say is like <laughs> broccoli and fish what I want. Yeah, like, because sometimes that actually that thought comes into my brain, and I I'd be like, what do I want? What do I want? And I'll think of like chicken on a salad or whatever, and I'll be like, yes, yeah, that's exactly what I want. And I mean, that's my example. It can be just like some type of real food, like dinner kind of thing. If the Mm -hmm. exact, if whatever it is, you're like, yeah, I really want to eat that. Then you're really hungry. But if you don't, you're like, no, it's not at all. So what can you, what do we do about these cravings when we don't? Like, do you have any like suggestions on how to combat it? So if, if I'm like, no, I don't want to eat the broccoli and the fish. I want to eat these chips or I want to eat this processed piece of shit, whatever. Yeah. Like... I mean, it, it's, again, it's one of those things that like really simple in theory, just yeah. ask yourself this question and you'll yeah. walk away. Right. But it's trying to figure out, okay, okay. The answer is no, I don't want to eat that thing. So then it, the, the next step is, okay, I need to identify what is the trigger and the trigger is for everyone is completely different. Right. Yeah. Which is what makes it so much more difficult sometimes. Cause I can't tell you what your trigger is. Yeah. Right. Is it because I'm bored watching TV? Is it because I'm really stressed? based on something that happened at work and I just, you know, walked into the house and I went directly to the pantry. Is it because I really didn't sleep well last night? Is it because I had a really hard workout and I didn't eat enough food to fuel myself from my workout, right? There's all these different things, which kind of also ties back into the tracking thing, but you're not going to nail it on your first try Mm -hmm. and you've got to be okay with that. It's absolutely fine, but it's this constant reminder, this constant conversation that you're trying to have with yourself to be like, yeah, what is like what is actually going on and for a lot of people it's a lot I mean for most people it's a lot deeper than just like food right there's yeah. so many emotions that are it's tied to it so it makes it that's what makes it so hard 
Okay, I'm going to circle back to intermittent fasting because I just thought of a question that I personally want to know. Mm -hmm. So breaking the fast, you mentioned breakfast is breaking the fast. Um, What is acceptable in the fasting? Like water, I'm assuming. Oh, while you're fasting. While you're fasting. Yeah. Water is acceptable. Water is absolutely acceptable. So what about coffee? Yeah, I mean, if you were being super technical, some yeah. people would say no. Because there's no calories in coffee. No, if you like coffee or tea, like those types of things, like people say, you know, well, okay, I won't eat till 11 yeah. kind of thing, but I want to have my coffee or even I want to have my coffee with milk or cream in it. Like, yeah. am I going to undo all of the work that I'm yeah. trying? The answer is no. It's so minuscule. It's such a tiny thing. And if that's what you need to help keep you going to continue the fast, the fast, the period of fasting far outweighs you having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Like yeah, there's okay. not much going on. I mean, I'm not talking about like a mocha choca latte yeah. kind of yeah. stick with like whipped cream from Starbucks. Like not that. Just no. like a cup of coffee or a cup of tea with a little milk cream. Like that is absolutely fine. Still practical for fasting. What about a bullet coffee? Because that's kind of trending right now too, but it's coconut oil or MZT oil or whatever. I mean, then you would get into, okay, well, how much, you know, MCT oil or butter or coconut oil or whatever you're using in yeah. it. Um, you know, like how much energy is actually in it. But then one of the benefits to it is that eating the fat, so yes. the oil in that, is yes. going to keep you in that fat burning state. Right. As opposed to having a a latte with sugar in it, then all of a sudden we flip the switch out of that fat burning state. Like the purpose of fasting, I'm really talking, there's many purposes, but I'm really talking about from a weight perspective, is to keep that switch flipped to that fat burning state. So an argument could be made that having a bulletproof coffee will actually keep you in that mode because you didn't add any sugar, glucose, or carbs to what you ate in that moment. I like it. I like it. Moving forward, uh, five nutrition myths that need to go. Um, saturated fat is bad for you. Talk about that one. Mom, myth. So, okay, because saturated fat, okay. Yeah, go. Honestly, this deserves a lot of time on its own, but I, the reason why I put that in that yeah. article or that post that I wrote is because to me, the myth that fat is bad for you, yes. specifically saturated fat, yeah. is the launching pad or the crux, the launching pad for every other nutrition myth that has come after it. Okay. Um, Saturated fat. So saturated fat is a real food. It comes from animal meat. It comes in egg yolks. It comes in avocado. It comes in olive oil. It comes in whatever, all these different places. It may not come in the same amounts in all of them, but it comes in all of these different places. In the, I'm going to mess up my, my numbers here, but in the you know 60s and 70s, this concept that saturated fat was bad for you became mainstream. Everyone was like, okay, we've been eating bacon and eggs and meat for thousands of years, but this is actually what's called causing all of our health problems. But it was probably within the last five years, again, I can't remember the exact year, uh, that articles or data or evidence came out that... Um, this myth was actually perpetuated and paid for by sugar companies to fund studies to say that saturated fat was bad for you so that they could sell, you know, more cereal, Cheerios, and tell people to not eat eggs for breakfast, right? So this whole pendulum swung, but the reality is, is that our, our bodies use saturated fat in so many different ways. Our cells use it, our uh, brain uses it, uh, we need cholesterol in our body. All of these things that we kind of were told were bad for us are actually ideal for optimal health. It's also where a lot of our fat-soluble nutrients live. So vitamin A, D, E, and K. These are essential things that we can only get from food and eating saturated fat is what actually provides them to the body. So this idea that saturated fat was bad for us really started creating these other issues where everyone started eating low fat products, which were yeah. loaded with sugar. Loaded to, with sugar. To compensate I can't even for it. believe it. When you read the label and you read the amount of sugar in a no fat yogurt. It's astronomical. It's it's actually crazy. Yeah. 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 Um so yeah, you know, low fat products. We started using vegetable oils. We started eating very grain heavy diets because we were eating all these 
quote unquote whole grains are healthy kind of thing as yeah. opposed to eating these foods that made fat. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's, it created a lot more problems than it did benefit in the end. Understood. Okay. So the num- number two myth here is eating mini meals boost metabolism. We did kind of touch yeah. on that a little bit already. So I, I will move on to artificial sweeteners and healthy, excuse me, artificial sweeteners are healthy substitutes. Yeah. So this, this is a myth that also came out of the idea that saturated fat was bad for you. Right. Yeah. So, you know, throughout those eighties, nineties, early two thousands, we started putting sugar in everything because and the reason for that is, is fat is what gives food flavor. So when yeah. you take the fat out of the yogurt, you take the fat out of the salad dressing, you take the fat out of wherever it w- literally was naturally, yeah. you process it to remove it, you start adding sugar. Then all of a sudden people start going, well, this whole sugar thing that we're doing also doesn't seem to be benefiting us, right? Mm-hmm. Obesity is on the rise. Type 2 bi- diabetes is on the rise. All these things are happening. So because humans are, I say humans are dumb normally, but humans are silly. We're foolish sometimes. We always just want like a substitute, right? Like I don't, I'm not willing to give up that taste. I love it. So let's find an alternative. So they created these artificial sweeteners. So your aspartame, your Splenda, your Sweet and Low, whatever it may be. Um, thinking, you know, we've solved this. They don't have any calories and they taste just as sweet. So it's like a win-win for everyone, right? We don't have any calories. We don't have to worry about weight gain, diabetes, whatever it is. Um, but we still have this flavor that we love so much. If you think about it in the word, they're literally called artificial sweeteners. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's something that was made in a lab. It's some form of a chemical. I use the extreme example of if I wouldn't put Windex in my coffee, why am I going to pour artificial sweeteners in it? Um, It turns out that the intention was that they would not trigger trigger, 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 uh, (laughs) insulin or blood sugar the same way that sugar does. But in reality, they do. And they actually cause us to eat more because when your body, uh, when you eat something sweet, you know, in nature, it would be berries or fruit, honey, right? Mm -hmm. Your body is expecting calories to come. So it's like, okay, that tasted sweet. Here comes some energy. But with artificial sweeteners, it's like, oh, that tasted sweet. Oh, there's no energy coming. So, okay, eat more. Let's see if we can get some. Okay, that tasted sweet. No energy. Okay, eat a little bit more. So in reality, these artificial sweeteners actually cause you to eat more in the end. So it completely defeats the purpose of what they were intended for. Not to mention um, that they're not, they're very, really detrimental to your gut health as well, which is really the foundation of our health. Okay. That's very interesting. I like that. <laughs> um, next one. Uh, vegetable oils are heart healthy. Yes, yeah, so vegetable oils. I, this is a topic I'm really into yeah. because vegetable oils, I like, I'm starting to become aware that when I cook with vegetable oils yep. or use vegetable oils uh, or have, you know, canola oil, yep. a lot of it, I don't feel good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to, again, this is something that, again, because we we're told saturated fat was bad for us, we're yep. like, oh, we can't use butter or lard or tallow. So what are we going to use instead? Let's start cr- using these things called vegetable oils or rather create yes. something called so vegetable oils. So what is a vegetable oil? So, because everyone thinks that like they're <laughs> just vegetables. Yes. So the, you know, we'll, we'll ask the question back is, have you ever seen an oily vegetable? No. The answer is no. There are no oily vegetables. So what vegetable oils actually are, is kind of like a blanket term and kind of because it sounds good. Yeah. It's like a marketing term in a way for grain or seed-based oils. So canola oil, soybean oil. Sunflower oil. Uh, sunflower oil, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the other? Corn oil. Yeah. Um, all of these different grain or seed-based oils um, kind of get this blanket term vegetable oil. So I could go to the grocery store and I could buy canola oil and I would be buying canola oil. No, it's canola oil. I could buy soybean oil, which are all also, they're all isolated under the, the vegetable oil umbrella. I could also go to the store and just buy something that said vegetable oil on the label. Yeah. It says vegetable oil. Yeah. So they're all vegetable oils, but the one where it says vegetable oil on the label is it's kind of, it's a manufacturer's dream because what it is, is a combination of whatever oils they have. So if they have a lot of canola oil hanging out in the factory and some soybean and some corn, well, we'll blend them together and it's vegetable oil. And how that blend shakes out today or next month, it doesn't matter because they just blended them together and called it vegetable oil. Right. Which is really gross when you think about it. Yeah. So, but like, 
it's it's is it like petroleum in a way like like is it how do you how do you, <laughs> how, do you how do you make it yeah people like fuel their cars on vegetables now, i swear to god well, <laughs> the if you th- they're all grain or seed based oils right so yeah. um to be honest if I, for anyone listening who was curious to know if you go to youtube and you search how canola oil is made yeah the first video that comes up is it's not meant to be a spoof like this is a real video but it explains how it's pressed, deodorized, processed, how it's dyed, like all of these things that it goes through because it's not natural, right? So natural-based oils, let's use an olive, for example. If I had an olive and I squeezed it or I touched it, I would literally get oil on my hand because it's an oily thing. If I gave you a canola plant or I gave you, you know, a piece of soybean, it's not oily. You would be stomping on that canola plant, trying to like grind it or do something to create an oil. It takes a lot of processing to create those oils. From a health perspective, the concern with them is A, not only that they're processed or junk food, to go back to the word that we were using at the beginning, Um, not that they're heavily processed, but uh, in the human body, an ideal ratio, what you're looking for is like a, a you know, two to one or a four to one range of omega three fatty acids, which most people have heard of to omega six fatty acids, omega six fatty acids. When you have too much of them, even though they're essential, when you have too much of them, they're very inflammatory to the body. So they cause a lot of inflammation on the cellular level and inflammation can lead to a plethora of different things. Right. Mm -hmm. But vegetable oils are all very high in omega six. So not only is cooking with them not a good idea because you're consuming all these omega-6, but all of those processed foods and junk foods, they're not made with, you know, olive oil, butter, you know, like those natural oils. They're made with vegetable oils. So not only is cooking with them, but when you're eating these processed things, you end up consuming so much vegetable oil throughout the day, week, month, year, whatever it may be. And it just causes a lot of inflammation to the body, which is really problematic. It is so interesting, like, uh, how I'm noticing that. Like, I'm really paying attention, and it's hard sometimes, and my ego and my brain tries to justify or convince me that I'm fine. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to eat it, but, like, it's crazy. I can, I feel sluggish. Yeah. Like, I if I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm away or I've been eating in restaurants, to be honest, like, a lot of restaurants, unless you're at a really nice restaurant, will use vegetable oils because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you feel like sluggish, kind of like I don't want to say greasy, but yeah, kind of in a way, like you just tired, I tired, um, and I not as um, cognitively like with it, right? Yeah, brain fog, yeah, is that term. brain fog. Yeah, yeah, it's. I find that for me, that's how I okay. I can feel that on in, when I'm eating vegetables, even if it's for yeah. a weekend because I've been away or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So like the brain fog, the fatigue, I hear it all the time. People talking about how tired they are, how busy they are, how tired they are. And I'm just like, hmm. And so I feel like food is like literally the foundation to all of these problems. I mean, it's, we only have three essential needs, right? Like food, water, shelter, right? Yeah. Like no one chooses to live in a shitty house with a shitty roof on purpose, right? Yeah. No one chooses to drink shitty water on purpose, but sometimes we're choosing to eat shitty food kind of on purpose, right? Full well knowing. So it's a weird thing, but because there's this emotional connection, it makes it a lot harder. Holy. Okay. Well, one of the last things, like speaking of uh, being tired, one of the last things that I want to talk about is um, sleep. (laughs) So sleep, why is sleep so important for your diet or in your diet? Um, Well, if you think about what sleep is, it's supposed to be a time that is restorative. Yeah. Right? You're resting the body, you're restoring from your day, and you're preparing for the next day. Lack of sleep or poor quality sleep, meaning like you go to bed at midnight and you wake up at five and you're up a few times between the night or whatever it looks like, right? Poor quality or lack of sleep is actually a form of stress on the body. Yes. These days, lack of sleep hustle like that whole shtick is celebrated right so it's like oh i'm doing this but i only slept four hours last night and look at me go right yeah that's actually highly problematic okay everyone can do that for like a night a weekend or whatever like that's not what i'm talking about but cumulatively repetitively that is compounding stress on the body Mm -hmm. what is the first thing that most people turn to when they're stressed not most people i shouldn't say that a lot of people snacks food more eating Right? Yeah. 
whether the stress is coming from work or it's coming from sleep or it's coming from worrying about something going on in your life, your body can't differentiate what stress is coming from where, right? Like stress is stress on the body. So not only is paying attention to how much you're sleeping helpful from a food perspective, because you just can't be eating, <laughs> you can't be eating when you're sleeping, Yeah. but how you treat um, your sleep is really important to your stress hormones, specifically your cortisol levels, right? So if you're running hot with high cortisol all day long, mm-hmm. you're not only going to be, mm-hmm, you're, not, <laughs> you're not only going to be looking to eat more and be also be struggling in other ways of your your in other areas of your life but because we're specifically talking about food it's also becomes very difficult from a weight perspective high cortisol levels help to in a bad way help is not the right word store more body fat around the abdomen yeah. so not only is it bad for storage as in you're going to gain weight it's really difficult for weight loss because you're fighting against this stress all the time, these high cortisol levels. Yeah, so, so your fight or flight instinct. Yeah, the that, entire that, time. You're constantly time. in fight or flight. You're yeah. never in rest and digest. So someone, and I will literally have clients say to me, like, I'm eating perfectly. Why am I not losing weight? Or why is this not changing? And it's yeah. like, you may be eating perfectly, but if we're not addressing sleep, stress, other forms of stress, you're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. I really like that. Like, I... Sleep is a huge, I talk about this on my Instagram all the time. Like sleep is a big deal for me. Like mm-hmm. I am literally like in a perfect world in my bed at nine o'clock at night. Yes. And it's glorious. I, it's glorious. People make fun of me all the time and they think I'm a loser or like I'm <laughs> antisocial or I'm a whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, buddy, like I, <laughs> I need to be feeling, living my best life. I need to be like my best version of myself. And if I don't get, you know, eight hours of sleep. Yeah. I'm not feeling good. And yeah. the whole point of life is it's to feel, feel good. good. Yeah. yeah and I, I feel good. I say this as I, I like, I have always been a night owl. So yeah. I wouldn't go to bed before like 11 or midnight. Like yeah. if I was in bed before, I'd be like, exactly. Loser. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Kind of thing. But in the past, probably five years, I would say bedtime gets earlier and earlier and earlier. Yeah. And I feel better and better and better. I was, I also used to, to use my own example was someone who was super active, yeah. ate really well, but always had this extra little weight that didn't make me feel comfortable, right? Yeah. Changing my sleep habits, gone. And it was something that took me years to figure out. It was just me adjusting my sleep, therefore my stress, therefore my cortisol. Yeah. There was not dramatic changes in my diet. Yeah, there were probably some, but it yeah. wasn't like this 180 situation. It was... I was fighting so hard against that last piece of the puzzle because I wanted to stay up and watch, you know, whatever the show was. And I didn't yeah. want to go to bed. But we forget how important that is because it's kind of, we're, we're joking, but people are like, oh, you're a loser, you're going to bed. Or it's yeah. celebrated to stay up or like yeah. lack of sleep is celebrated, which is really weird at the same time. Oh, yeah. 100%. And like for me, when I started to change my sleep habits, for example, one of the other, I don't want to call it a myth, but... Something that I believe culturally we want is that instant gratification. So you think, oh, if I change my sleep for a week, I'm going to be skinny or mm-hmm. yeah. I'm going to be less stressed. It's like, uh, this is like serious. It's a serious, I hate the word lifestyle change too, but it's a serious adjustment to your life. Mm-hmm. So I started noticing the benefits of my sleep after like three or four months uh, a year into yeah. it, I was like, wow, yeah. I am a completely different person than yeah. I was last year. I am able to do so many more things in my life and like create the space uh, for me. I, I'm, I'm not stressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Like everything's changing, but it's not immediate. It's yeah. not like an instant thing. So like... That's what's hard though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's... And the same thing goes with diet and yeah. like learning these things about yourself. You, Yeah. Okay. Maybe you eat... Uh, chips and you feel bloated it's like okay great but the next time you don't feel bloated so maybe it's not the chips and it does take time to like figure all of this out and I think that you you have to be really kind to yourself and really patient with yourself like my journey in this is like I studied this so I can speak about my journey is still ongoing oh absolutely and my journey started a long time ago right I may be ahead of other people in my journey yeah but my my journey's not over and I think sometimes people think that there's like you're working towards this end goal and then like got there. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 it's, no, no. it's yeah. this practice. It's this ongoing thing. It's this, 
you've got to, it continues. It's not just like a, okay, I'll start now and it will end then. It's like, whatever you did to change your habits or to help mm-hmm. you reach even what your short-term goal was, those are the habits that you have to enjoy because you have to keep going with them, right? Yes. Like even if you have a goal of I want to run this or lose this amount of weight or whatever it is, it doesn't stop once you've done that thing. Yeah. It's okay. I had to do all of these different things. Now I have to keep doing them. Yes. Keep doing them. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. So, um, for wherever, uh, the listeners are right now in their own personal journey, cause I'm sure everyone listening has some, re- like this is resonating with everybody. Um, and they want to stay in contact with you. Yeah. Let's talk about sort of, let's talk about your next blog post and where we can find it. Uh, well, my website is knutrition.com. So K-A-Y is my last name. Yeah. Nutrition.com. And on my website, I have, I mean, as you've mentioned, a ton of blog posts. A ton. Ton. Yeah, they're awesome. Hundreds. I don't even know what the number is at this point. They're and so a lot awesome. of recipes. I've also got a lot of free downloads and guides. So yes, if people talk want, about your free guides. Yeah, yeah. Further information on these topics. You know, I've got a lot of blog posts about sugar, for example. Yeah. Or, um, but I've also got a whole guide to it. So it's just a free thing that you can download. Uh, I've got a free guide to quitting sugar. I have a guide with the 10 worst nutrition myths. I have a free uh, five-day real food challenge, yes, which is really fun. that's a fun. really good one. That's a good uh, one. And uh, a free seven-day meal plan if someone's trying to figure out, like, okay, how do I actually, you know, one meal's easy, but how do I build this throughout a week? Uh, so, yeah, all that stuff there and free for the taking. Amazing. I really like this. This well, was thank great. You. This we, was lovely. Yeah, we covered a lot of stuff. I think this is like the most serious conversation we've ever had. <laughs> There's normally a lot more laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm sure this won't be the last one that we do together. Uh, thank you so much for coming and sharing your wealth of knowledge. It's it, that was uh, that was great. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I just love her. So real and she really presents all of the information in a relatable way. If you enjoyed this podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Don't forget about my five-day awareness challenge. Just head over to elisaunfiltered.com forward slash free challenge to sign up. What are you waiting for? Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time. 